that you just get really in alignment with you because you will go further than you ever believed when you realize it stops and starts with you. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Marianne Williamson says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And I think that for so many of us, we really are the ones that stand in our own way. We literally get in our own way of the things that we truly want to achieve in life. And often we're not living in alignment with our true values. And it's such a wonderful area of coaching that I really enjoy working with my clients on, just helping them understand their true potential and opening their eyes to the true abundance that is there and how they can really unlock the best version of themselves. And to get out of their own way, to feel the fear and transcend that and do things anyway, and understand that it's not the destination. The growth is in the journey, and it's the most exciting part. When they start to realize that, everything changes. They change how they show up in the world, and it transforms their confidence and their self-esteem. And so much of what you think about, your internal talk is so important. Your own opinion of yourself is so important because the truth is that the only real opinion that counts the most to you, that you most care about is the opinion that you hold of yourself. And so it's about learning to be your own best friend. Yes, to hold yourself to the highest standards that you want to achieve, but to understand how to back yourself, how to be there as a friend to yourself and how to talk to yourself as a high performer does. And we're going to be talking about those things in this podcast episode today. I'm sitting down with Polly Bateman, who is a mindset and performance mentor. And she's really here to disrupt your beliefs and break through the self-imposed barriers that can limit your potential. Polly's clients come from all walks of life, from entrepreneurs and C-suite executives through to public figures and world-class athletes. And we have a really great discussion today about high performance habits that you can start to adopt immediately to start seeing real changes in your own performance and really how to understand more about yourself and to back yourself to the highest level and unlock that true potential that is inside you. And so I'm really excited. So without further delay, let me now introduce you to Polly Bateman. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Polly Bateman. Um, super excited. We've been having a chat before the show and, uh, well, I don't want to spoil this. I think it's going to be so much fun, Polly. Um, we're going to be talking today about how to keep your mindset clean, which isn't something I've heard a lot of people talk about um, and how this really interacts with our physiology um, and really how to overcome our limiting beliefs. So first of all, a very big welcome to the show, Polly. It's lovely to have you here today. Mm, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's going to be a good chat. It already it has is. been. <laughs> it already has been. I think we should have hit record some time ago. Um, so why don't you start by explaining what is clean thinking? Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, this is kind of something I say as as opposed to something I um, put out there as a product, if that makes sense, in that what I noticed, and actually was it was a personal experience of it to begin with, that um, I got to a point in 2016 where I'd been a coach for 11 years uh, professionally, and then prior to that working with a a tri-service organization where we were very trained up in all sorts of elements of human care and human mental care from PTSD through to palliative care, pastoral care and counseling and stuff like that. So I I was quite connected to this whole space of self-development at this point in 2016. But my whole life, I suddenly noticed didn't work. I was very alone for for a number of reasons. My husband had gone away on a a one year um, job. Our son had gone off to boarding school because we were a very mobile family and this was a choice we'd all happily made. Uh, Well, I say happily, it was me that used to cry going back down the driveway, but (laughs) he was somewhere he wanted to be. And and I just found that my life was I was disconnected from my friends, from my family. I was in a location I didn't really want to be in. And uh, as I said earlier, the cat then went missing and later on the dog died. And and a few things all just came to a head that made me think, hang on a minute. How can I coach anyone when my own life doesn't work? So I did a a deep dive into me and out of the deep dive came this kind of awareness of like, I think I get how humans get coded, which was a moment, you know, like, okay, I understand stuff I didn't understand before. And everything I'd ever learned before made sense in a whole new way. But the biggest thing was I had just had my sixth miscarriage. Literally, it was a a situation where I'd had the scan and we were about to go on a skiing holiday. And they were like, I'm so sorry, the baby's died. Um, We're going to whip it out of you because we know you're going away. And I was actually flying out to L.A. on the back of the ski holiday as well. I didn't want to risk a natural miscarriage mid-flight or anywhere awkward. So we just dealt with it that way. And I didn't want to spoil the holiday. And I went on the the break and just Mm. thought, I'll take care and look after me. And I was pretty practiced at the routine as well by number six. And well, it doesn't make it any less devastating, does it? It's harder and harder every time. Yeah, not at all. So I I learned how to look after myself in that process very much. Um, So I was adept at it, albeit not happy with it, if that makes sense. And um, I went into when I was younger, I was a bit of a demon skier. I was fearless like you are. You're a lot closer to the ground when you're smaller anyway. But I was also just fearless about it. I kind of just intuitively I was a horse rider. I was a skier. I was a sailor. I kind of just knew how to move my body on substances, if that makes sense. (laughs) Sounds really weird. But you know what I mean? On water, on a horse or whatever. And and as I'd had Harry and grown up, I'd become a lot more cautious and my skiing wasn't great. Yet here I am having cleaned up my thinking and done a deep dive into how humans function. And my skiing was back how it was when I was like 12. And I was like, there's a freedom in my movement that wasn't showing up here before. What is this all about? So I began to really dig into stuff with clients and I began to get clients saying things to me like, I just did a PB today. I'm really shocked. Like, but they come every week and say, I don't know what it is about seeing you, but I get a PB on the back of it when they go for a run. And then I've even had athletes come and see me and they're like, I'm running faster. What is that about? Like one was a professional football player and the other guy was no longer a professional soccer player from the States, but he's British. He'd played over there, but he'd had chronic fatigue. And he was like, ah, when we dug in and looked, we began to see when your thinking is untidy, 
when your self-image is poor, it doesn't matter. You could have a talent in any area, but when your thinking is poor in one area alone, like love or, you know, um, like you've maybe got a difficult relationship with a parent in any way, shape or form, and you don't have clarity there, you are slowed down physically and mm-hmm. unable to perform as you would like to. So it became a thing like, Blair, let's clean up your thinking because thinking is very often muddy. How many times do we say things like, I'm confused? But if we cut somebody open, you will never find confusion. Confusion mm. is a word we use when we don't want to make a decision. Mm, that's we true. Don't want, when we don't want to be responsible because mm. we'd rather the decision was made for us. So from that, pers- you know, from that perspective, I became very aware clean thinking was a thing. Mm. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. <laughs> And that's, and, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, when you look at successful people, they do make decisions much more quickly and they are cleaner and they're slow to change them. Whereas your average person really hums and haws about a decision. Oh, I don't know if I should do this. Then they phone a friend, then they phone their mum, then they, you know, and go over and over and over it. And that is muddy thinking because actually, if you've got clarity, it's the, the, the choice becomes quite obvious which one you should make. Um, I know when we were talking before, you talk about energy, it's a real thing. And I've definitely, I mean, I think we've all experienced this, right? That we've spent less time in human contact over the last 18 months. But certainly when you are in the presence of someone, you can very much feel their energy and almost feel whether you want to be with them or not. And sometimes you can have a situation where it's almost as though the other person is enjoying your energy more, right? And that can feel a little bit uncomfortable. but we were talking about how there's a real science to this and what we're putting out, we literally are getting back. Can you explain that and how you've found that? Because people do seem to get what they expect. And I think that's what you've been saying. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you and I both discussed the fact that we've both been mentored and worked with Bob Proctor. And, you know, he th- there was a great moment once where somebody came along and said to him in a, in a group setting, oh, I haven't, you know, it didn't work out. I said all my affirmations. I kept on going through it. I did everything I said. And it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And he just looked at her really calmly and said, are you surprised? And she was like, no. <laughs> he said, there you go. You weren't really expecting it. You know, you kind of want to be almost shocked when you don't get the result you want. Mm. And I I can remember this years ago, I was doing a presentation. It's a bit complicated to explain why, but there needed to be a minimum of three people at this presentation. And I would had about five attempts at it. And I'd either had too many people and not hit the kind of percentage I needed to at it or too few. And therefore it wasn't going to count. This was my fifth go. And I remember I'd done all the preparation. I'd, you know, I ticked all the, uh, all the boxes. I dotted my I's, crossed my T's. I'd cleaned up my emails. My shoes were polished. It's like integrity on a very, very workable sense in your life goes deep. Right. And I really had got my integrity in order and I just knew I just knew there were going to be three people. I literally just knew. I'm like, this is the day I can feel it. And I could feel it in every cell in my body. Now, when I got to the center where I was going to be doing this um, presentation, only two people turned up and I, you could have knocked me down with a feather, like literally knocked me over. And the presentation was in two parts. And in the halfway part, 
I, the guy that was kind of captaining the room, looking out for me, said, right, come on, let's just go and make sure you're feeling OK. How are you? And it was a it was a training that we were doing all on leadership and stuff like that. And we ended up in a cupboard <laughs> because we couldn't find a space where guests weren't walking past. And I was like, there's supposed to be three people like this. It's in my head like this doesn't feel right. Like something feels off. There were three people at this presentation. And I'm like, I'm properly bummed by this. And in that moment, there was a on the door. And it was my coach who said, darling, I've been looking for you everywhere. We've got a third guest downstairs. Chop, chop. No way. (laughs) And it was so like, that feels better. Like I was such a demand for what I wanted. Because when a gun is to our head over something, which is a horrible way to put it, but when your gun's over your head to something or a million pounds is waiting for you, you'll do it, right? Mm. You'll fulfill on something. But we are so sloppy and naturally lazy as humans that we will so often only half show up for things. Mm, how many times true. How many times do we get let down by someone who's had a better, better offer? Mm. How many times do we do it? Where's the integrity of that? And integrity in your life isn't whether you told a small white lie or not, because sometimes that's the most appropriate and kindest thing to do. But integrity in terms of think of it like a door frame. If the door hinges aren't screwed on properly and the handle doesn't work and bits of the door are falling off, it can't possibly work fully. Well, it's the same for you. You know, if we don't water our plants and we don't keep our, our, our space and our head in order and we don't look after us, I'm like, get into someone's car. You get those people who love to put all their crisp packets and banana skins on the floor over on the passenger side, you know, and it's like they have no integrity in their life. Mm-hmm. So I often look at people sometimes when I'm dealing with them and I don't mean as in the client relationship, maybe I'm buying something. And I'll look at the, I, I notice the lack of integrity very, very quickly. And one thing that I like instill in my clients very quickly is the integrity part. Because you cannot expect, I get high performers come to work with me. You cannot expect to have integrity if you're gossiping. There's no integrity in that. Have you said something to somebody you'd be prepared to say about someone that you'd be prepared to say to their face? You know, because if you haven't, then there's a part of you that feels a little bit dirty. So the physiology on any part of your thinking that isn't truly aligned with who you are will create a physical response that will alter your energetic energy wave that goes out from you. Hmm. You know, and there's an institution called HeartMath, and they talk about the fact that all of us have got emanating out from us an eight to 10 foot magnetic circular field from us. And this is why we say to people, yeah, I can feel it. Or I, yeah, I know I trust him because it's that that we're talking about. You know, you, you can see how many times have we, you, the audience listening will get this. Sometimes people tell you they can do something and you're looking at them thinking, yeah, you haven't really got this. I don't think you mm. can do this. And um, or people will, they're trying to sell something to you and they're kind of swallowing and looking nervous while they're selling. And you know that they're not confident in what they're doing. And yet, you know, if you're having a coffee with your mate and your mate says, oh, I like your new pan, you know, you would so confidently naturally, oh, these pans are amazing. Got them from Costco. Nothing sticks to them. And before you know it, you've sold your pan to them. You know, they're off out to go and get their own set because there's nothing in the way. Mm. There's nothing in the way. And as human beings, our birthright is to feel happy and good. Our natural state of being is peaceful. The only thing that takes us out of that thinking 
is what we're observing and then what we make it mean. There's what happens and there's what you make it mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's true. You know, and there I, is a space, isn't there, between the thought? Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. You know, I say to people sometimes, my husband opens his mouth and pushes air over his vocal cords. Sometimes I love those sounds. Sometimes I want to smack him around the head with a frying pan, but only ever because of what I've made it mean. (laughs) You know, it's always down to what are you making it mean? So someone can be rude or bump into you, but what are you making it mean about you? And one of our biggest problems is that we make it very personal. Mm. It's never personal. How someone else is behaving is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. Yeah, that's so true. Ever to do with you. Talking of all things performance related, I'm really excited that Wild Kingdom Extracts, my favorite mushroom company, have released a new cordyceps, which is an incredibly energizing herb. And cordyceps is rich in adenosine and it works on a cellular level to help increase the body's natural building blocks for long lasting energy. And unlike caffeine, cordyceps boosts energy without leaving you jittery, acidic or craving another boost. And that's because it supports your body's metabolism cellular stores of energy and even recovery sleep and so that's another mushroom that you can add to your stack alongside the others that i love which are lion's mane reishi and chaga and you can get 15 percent off your order by going to wildkingdomextracts.com and entering code angela at checkout that's wildkingdomextracts.com and entering code angela at checkout now let's get back to the show and we're never really taught that, are we, at school? Children get easily upset and offended by the child that is kind of dishing it out, but they're never really, you know, the other person isn't really understanding where that's coming from, and it's actually coming from the dislike of themselves. But I guess my question to you, Molly, would be um, when people feel like this and they feel out of alignment, it can be the hardest thing, right? Even when you look at athletes, it, um, when I think of an example, I always think with tennis, you know, when you watch Andy Murray used to play, he he it felt like he was making a bit of a meal out of it. He'd obviously was as well prepared. He trained as hard, done everything. But somehow there wasn't this effortless expectation of I'm going to win this when whereas when you watch Roger Federer on court, it's almost like he's dancing. It's so elegant. It's so effortless. It just flows. And I think that's what we're talking about. For people listening, maybe they feel they don't know where the blocks are, but they have got some blocks. How can they start to clean that up so that they can align their actions with their what they truly want to achieve and what they feel and actually get that sense of deserving? Because it sounds like you've got to feel you deserve it and expect it for it to happen. So you touched very briefly on children. I'm just going to take it back there for us all because, you know, we are kind of coded through two big um things i don't really know what the right word would be but we're coded through cause and effect first of all because we learn that if we push the cup the 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 stuff will spill out you know when we're little if we can get our fist into our mouth you know we can chomp on it and you've seen children do this sometimes where they've bitten themselves their fingers in their mouth and they bite and then they cry because they didn't realize that the they didn't understand the cause and effect. Um, but cause and effect continues to develop and unfold like a kind of it blossoms for you in, in understanding. So when you go to school and somebody goes, oh, look at your shoes. The cause is often felt as you. It's you in your shoes. It's personal. 
The effect was unpleasant, but you're the cause. You put your hand up to answer the teacher's question, you get it wrong and everybody giggles. You feel like the cause, Mm. right? And your developmental age is unable to see the big picture because you don't have a fully formed brain. You have no neofrontal cortex. You cannot manage the situation emotionally either because your limbic brain isn't even fully formed. You have a reptilian brain essentially in place that says I'm okay or I'm not okay. And not okay is every range of not okay. And okay is every range from, you know, I'm okay through time ecstatic. It's as simple as that. So it's such a simple state for us that flicking out of it puts us directly into a stress response. And in a modern world, navigating all this new stuff, this is deeply confusing for little people. Now, the other thing that we're coded through, which occurs in the in, in every setting that you can think of as a child from family through to education, social settings. And, you know, so there's all these different learnings is right and wrong. And right and wrong are uncomfortable because in the parent-child relationship, when you learn wrong, no, that's wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You learn shame and disapproval. And that makes it something that becomes deeply uncomfortable. So people will argue the toss today as an adult about, you know, they'll justify, justify, justify all the time because they've got to be right because they can't bear being wrong. And I don't mean, I'm not really talking about whether people can own up to their mistakes. That's a slightly different thing. I'm just talking about that general way of being. Like when someone says, don't put the glasses like that in the dishwasher. I'm like, oh God, they, they clean just fine, you know. You know, there's all this going on. Now, what we're talking about when we're talking about dishwashers isn't actually the dishwasher. And the defensiveness comes because attached to right and wrong is this, is this morality. And that, that shame that's attached to morality and being immoral in some way and being so wrong in some way is so uncomfortable for us as human beings. We'll desperately try to blame someone else. We'll look for a cause. We'll look for another cause, I mean, rather than ourselves. We'll look for another justification because we don't want to have it over here. You know, and there's a brilliant book, Black Box Thinking. um, And it's such a great book because in that, he talks about how the, the most unsafe industry in the world is the medical industry because... Mistakes are so nuanced sometimes, and it can be such a combination of factors. And because somebody's career is on the end of the the sort of process of discovery, that often people will be uncomfortable going down that route to look like, how did this happen and how did this go wrong? Because there's a wrong and then there's a sacking and a career over. And, you know, sometimes it isn't. It isn't always the best way, you know, they say things like, well, it just happened. So there's this brilliant case that's exampled at the front by a pilot because the safest industry in the world is aviation because they literally take every single mistake. They record it, they reinvent it and they look at how the mistake occurred and they learn from it. Now, that seems so obvious, but it was a pilot who lost his wife in a routine ENT operation, and he just didn't accept. It's just one of those things. And the book is like, uh, it's quite sort of like, oh my God, it's so beautifully read. I actually listened to it on Audible, that the voice just takes you through on this journey where you're on all the emotional states of, of the situation. You know, and when people get stressed, their perception narrows. And these doctors, their perception narrowed and they missed something crucial. And a nurse spotted it, but didn't dare say anything to a doctor because she was just a nurse. You know, and, and it's like it didn't it wasn't just one of those things. There was a catalogue of mistakes made. And he is actually responsible that 
that man, that husband, widow, sadly, for creating a complete shift now in how operations are. Um, there's like someone in the room that's always completely neutral to the situation that can call shots and will keep an overview, keep a big picture as a result of the investigations that he pushed forward. So, you know, just going back to that whole, that shows how deeply right and wrong is ingrained in us and how terrified we are of it. So you get an adult today and they don't like to be wrong. Nobody likes to get it wrong. We're all tr we're all good eggs, really, underneath. I mean, I know there's a few a few difficult sods out there, but essentially, we're we're good eggs. We're trying to rub along and we're trying to get it right. But this whole right and wrong and cause and effect will tie us up in knots. So if you want to start relieving yourself, one of the first things I will tell you is there is no right and wrong. It's literally made up. It's made up by humans. In this country, we drive on the left. In another country, it's on the right. Who's right? It's mm. literally made up. Cultural differences. What's disgusting in one culture is not in another. You know, uh, what's family? Oh, my God, my mother. We must do our jobs, go to church, and all the things that she likes to do on Christmas Day. We open our presents in the evening. You know, other families, when I stayed with them at Christmas, um, have opened all their presents in the morning. And that, that occurred as weird to me. Because I'm like, oh, you've got nothing to look forward to now. We sit down in the evening, we have like a pile of presents. You know, then you've got the different religions that dictate how to live life, how to eat your food, how to kill your animals. It's all made up. I'm not saying it doesn't have a place, but it's made up. And if you're going to tie yourself in, in knots over right and wrong, then you're going to limit what you can and can't do because of your perception of right and wrong, which, by the way, you weren't born with, you were taught. It's learnt behaviour. Now, you do need to be able to get along with people. We do need some agreements in place because if they, if nobody agreed what side of the road to drive on, trying to pick my son up or go anywhere at any time would be a nightmare, right? Mm. You know, we wouldn't be able to function. But if you just get the morality is not really part of the conversation, and it's just, I always say to my clients, replace right and wrong with what works and what doesn't work. If something yeah, doesn't good. work. So, for example, when my son used to sneak food and I would then finally finish my day, go out and say, right, I'm going to cook dinner for us. Oh, I'm not, not really hungry, mummy. What have you eaten? Well, oh, wouldn't be a good choice ever. It was a lot of beige choices, <laughs> right? Well, I thought I made myself some crumpets and then I had a bag of crisps, you know, and you're like, brilliant. It's supper time. And you've eaten a load of crap. Awesome. You know, and I might be a bit sarcastic about it. He would then go, well, I didn't know what time you were finishing. There's the wrong making right there. I make him wrong because I'm a bit miffed. He then defends his behavior because the morality is in place. But if I said to Harry, oh, dude, that didn't work. Do you want to talk me through why that doesn't work? Do you know what? He would nail it every time. He'd say, well, because I didn't check with you. I think it's chicken tonight and you probably can't reheat chicken after tonight. I haven't mm. eaten anything healthy. He would list everything. It wasn't that he didn't know. And I'd be mm. like, yeah, what are we going to do about that? You know, and he'll say, why don't I eat some tomatoes and cucumber? And that puts some good stuff in me. I just can't face a meal. I'm like, okay, okay, mm. do that and have a little bite of protein. Right. Suddenly there's room for maneuver and conversation rather than you shouldn't have done that which just yeah. creates discomfort, puts a stone in your shoe, you know? So removing right and wrong 
is such a nice thing and do make agreements. So we made an agreement on the back of that. You got to check in with mummy. You know, I want you to check in. But he said, but how do I do that? Well, it says on your door, do not disturb because you're with a client. Like, <laughs> That's a really good point. Great question. How, yeah. How about I make sure that I tell you and I tell you what times I'm going to break off and we'll eat. And then I'll put a little note in the kitchen to remind you in case you wander in forgetful. He's like, okay, yeah, great. And that's what we do. Mm. That's what we do. And it and works. Now, it works. We made an agreement. If he breaks the agreement, I can say, you broke the agreement. Why was that? Yeah, I like that. I haven't heard of, like, I suppose you're right. There isn't a, a right and wrong, so to speak. There might be a better way. Mm. Um, but what about with people I find... People like we were talking about this book, both of us before um, Psycho-Cybernetics, which I think is a fantastic book and this internal thermostat that will always bring you back to your perception of who you are and what you can achieve. Mm. Um, it's really interesting because I always find with, with my own clients, like for them to really achieve and become in my in my um, profession, you know, truly healthy and have elite levels of performance, we have to let them create that image and step into that person before they can do it because then all the difficult decisions go away because if you like i'm going to use a very easy example that everyone could relate to with weight loss you know why do i get food cravings why do i eat what i eat why do i do what i do when i know what i do what when i know what i know and how can i resist it well, it's not so much that if you've identified as a different person as somebody who is lean and healthy and energetic and takes care of their longevity you don't seem to have the same cravings because now those are not in alignment with the person that you've become. But I think it is difficult for people initially almost to transcend that and believe that they can have better, particularly if they're coming from a background, as you say, a lot of these ideas were given to them as children and they were passed down by teachers and parents and other children in the class that, you know, you're not that bright, you're not that this, you're not that, you know, you didn't come from a wealthy background, you don't. And Yes, some people are able to transcend it. They can be refugees and come into the country and make an absolute fortune. What do you think needs to change in their internal dialogue to help someone really shift? Oh, so funny that you literally use the example of refugees because um, I was talking to my husband about this very recently when I, I said, it's so interesting, isn't it, watching the, the latest wave of Afghanistan families that are coming in. And, and I said, you know, their perception is that this is rich land. Their perception is this is the place to be. Therefore, they're like, it's all possible now. And from that place, they have less barriers. Mm. You know, it's, it's what they truly believe. I remember years ago being on holiday in India in a really smart hotel and seeing the difference because along the, along the kind of boundary line of the hotel were people living in corrugated tin, like little put-ups. And I was shocked at the, you know, I was young and therefore very ignorant about these things back then, shocked at the contrast. And in the evenings, the staff were allowed to bring um, children in to swim in the pool. And I remember I dropped my handkerchief and a little boy ran over and picked it up for me. And he said, here you go, mom. Are you from Richland? You know, and I'm like, wow. yeah, wow. This is literally, wow. he thinks I'm from a land of plenty. And, you know, for him, he's not wrong. Mm. That is where I'm from. But, you know, wherever you're from is just your norm. And because your norm comes with all the different experiences you've had, 
limitations are seen. So just think for a minute about Michael Phelps. Is it Michael Phelps? I'm pretty sure the, you know, the Olympic swimmer who won so many gold medals, you know, one of the things he talks you through his routine, he absolutely had a killer routine where he would, um, 45 minutes before any race, he went and put on some particular earphones and he listened to music that was rousing. And then he went through the race in his head and he did every single stroke. He would literally do the entire race and back again. And he would see himself winning. He'd see himself pulling through the water. He created the very thing he lived into. And I think on one of his gold medals, not gold medals, um, world records, he jumped in and knew instantly water, something was wrong with his goggles. And so he closed his eyes and went to his meditation. And he had no idea he was pulling out a world record till he popped up at the end. But it was so practical such a clear picture he lost a sense and actually he just took himself further in as a result because inside is no resistance inside Mm. we are brilliant and can be anything the problem is we look outside for justifying who we are and for a reflection of who we are and then make it real there's that really screwed up saying seeing is believing it's the wrong way round. Mm. Believe in your believe you see yeah totally totally. you're only seeing what you believe And you're so right, actually, about that um, internal kind of perfection, if you like, because it's really interesting that I recently did rapid transformational therapy. And at the end of two hours of hypnosis, when you're asked, and it is to, to, you know, overcome an area that you feel you're limited in, and you're asked what you want, you, uh, you're talking because you're, you're hypnotized, and yet you're very clear on what you're saying. And you can see you almost, but, and you're in control. But yet the things that came out of my mouth were so in alignment with everything I believe and everything that I want for other people and without judgment and kind of almost quite beautiful, really, that you think, well, that is that is the real you. Right. But it's so hard sometimes to access that from a fully conscious perspective where we're in a beta brainwave dominant state. And that's filled with anxiety because you've got to drop those brainwaves down and slow things down, really to actually see that, haven't you? And from there, as you say, it's about going inwards. You can then create your outward world. Right. And, and you know, the time to really, this is why meditation has become very important. And I'm not a very good meditator. You know, I don't often, I'm quite busy. I'm pretty sure I'm high functioning ADHD because I'm like quite full on most of the day. I tend to, you know, walk fast. I breathe fast. You know, I eat fast. I do everything quite fast. Um, but actually, and then when I stop, I'm like an amoeba <laughs> on or off. But it, it, but I've noticed that there are definitely times when it's really good to tune into what you want, and a really good time to tune into what you want is as you wake up. So I tune in to my day and what I want, not in my day, because that's just, that's too tedious. I tune in to my pictures for myself in that moment, because you're not fully in awake, conscious brainwaves there. You're still in, your subconscious is open, tune in there. And then I tune in as I go to sleep so that the last thing I'm thinking about is that. And that's a really good place because I, when I wake up, I'm definitely more amoeba than I am, you know, uh, roadrunner and I'm definitely in that much more like like dreamlike state um if I ever am 
really tired. Sometimes when I stop and I'm like, oh, I think I'm really tired. So when I'm driving actually out of London, I've just started a hardcore training program at a gym in London um, to for, for very specific reasons. I'm trialing these pictures in your mind of the pictures of things that happen and what you can push, how you can push a boundary. So I'm doing something I've never done before to check this boundary and these pictures out. And I'm a bit like, when I get in the car to drive out, nothing really works physically. So that just leaves me inside myself. You know, I have really got the energy for a conversation. So I'll just be with myself. And when I'm being with myself, I've noticed just how good I feel. I'm not even with what's going on in my day. My brain has, my body has been pushed around so much that my, my brain can't really think straight. So I'm just being with me. And it's when I'll suddenly think, I feel really, really good. I feel successful. Oh my God, my car's just gliding along. And, you know, and I'll just tune in in the way Esther Hicks talks about, just feel good, Mm. you know. In like a flow state, effectively. In a flow state, yeah. Yeah. And that happens. I'm like, I'm just going to trust this is all going to work out. And the car just, you know, automatic cars these days are just like, magic carpets aren't they compared to clunking gears like we did once upon a time and it's like yeah just I then know I'm enjoying a good feeling I'm like I'm smiling as I'm saying this to you then I build on that you know and I build momentum and and have music as well that tunes you into feeling good if you put one thing in your diary every day for 30 days that just made you feel good even if that thing only lasted for five minutes it only takes you 17 seconds of positive thinking to start to shift things around. And Is that think, right? 17 yeah. seconds? 17 seconds of thinking it's about true. something and you begin to bring it to you. And you are and, and positive thinking is normally based on what you want. I mean, I often call positive thinking as a bit like polishing a turd, because what I mean is just positive thinking on its own never changed anything. And mm. people, when they say affirmations, if they don't say them with any emotion attached and it becomes like a chore and they're just saying it rote, you know, it's never going to happen. You've got to get emotional about what you want, you know? And I remember years ago, I was working so hard. I didn't have time to handle everything at home. I had a lovely cleaner that I really, really liked, bless her, who used to come and help me out because we had dogs and cats and children, you know, well, child and my business. I just didn't have time. And then I just sort of feel like a failure at the end of the day. So I treated myself to having this cleaner come and she was sweet, sweet, sweet girl, but she hated it. I could see she hated cleaning. And I was like, yeah, fair one. I hate cleaning too. So I didn't judge for it and I was always grateful for what she did but she would often not show up you know so I can't come this week and you know things like that and I remember being on a course where we were talking about what you truly value and the example the woman gave was oh so I was interviewing for uh, a new lady to come and help me in my house and she said and I had a few people come but then this one came and while she was talking to me she was organizing my magazines to look more tidy and gently puffing up my sofa and she said and I'm like that's the one because she naturally mm. likes these things and I literally had a moment where I went oh I would love that in my life and it was a full body reaction two days later I had somebody like that in my life it's how, and, and how did that person come about to you because that's interesting right so on the way home my lovely girl said do you know what I'm going to move back to Poland um I'm done So it was almost like, perfect. And I went to a very smart estate agent and said, listen, I'm I'm guessing from the kind of houses you sell that when you have to fluff the houses, they need to be fluffed well. Do you have a good list of really good cleaners? 
you know, I then got intentional and they said yes. And I had actually done some really good stuff for this particular um, estate agents just in terms of sending them people. So they then spoke to their person and said, this is a prized client of ours. Have you got somebody really good? And then when she spoke to me, the head of the company, she said, I'm giving you my best cleaner. But Amazing. I'd already set all that off in motion the minute I knew what I wanted. And literally Loretta walked into my life on a Friday and then she moved in eventually. We moved her in. We're like, the, this woman was like, oh, yes, yes, I need five hours here. And I remember once saying to her, would you like to move in while we go on holiday and look after the cat? Would that work for you? Because I knew she didn't live in a great place. And she said, oh, I'd love that. Then I can really scrub the house. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so perfect. Literally. <laughs> so I came back and you could just tell. It was just that bit sparklier and shinier and she was happy. And, you know, like find someone who loves what they do to do the stuff, you know. So, so in fact, one of my favorite cards is a loo roll and the caption is love what you do. <laughs> it's so true. So true. And th right. things do happen quickly when you connect on that energetic frequency. But I guess some people will be thinking, well, I don't know how, but I feel like I'm blocking myself, but I keep thinking. It's so easy to think about what you don't want, isn't it? What would you say to them? Because sometimes I think a degree of fear for people is motivational, right? People that have, you know, let their health go to a point that they've now got a health problem often will be the trigger that let, makes them get fit, makes them lose that weight. People that have encountered financial difficulties, suddenly there's a switch of like, actually, I've got to get off my house and really do something about this. Um, but really, we don't want to get to that point. And along the way, the negative talk and often fear as well can keep people stuck. How can they, do they just need to accept it, sit with it and try and move the thought on? Like, what should they be doing, Polly, in that situation? Well, there's two things. You actually referred to it at some point. I can't remember if it's before we were recording or not, but you talked about the fact you have to become the gatekeeper of your thoughts. So if your mm. thought is a negative one, one of the questions I get people to pose to themselves is, is this thought help taking me in the direction I want to go or not? And if it's negative, you can guarantee it's not. OK, so you either stop it there. And I get that that's easier said than done, depending on what people are dealing with. But the biggest thing of all is I ask people to look at is if you could imagine that there was a younger version of you in the room. And you just look at yourself, what do you want for you? Because especially with mums as well, you know, I've often seen that that will be the last person that they'll look after at the end of the day. Mm. And, and it's not just mums, but, you know, that because that's stereotypical, but it is a, it is a frequent one with women because we're such natural nurturers. But, you know, it's like when you look at a younger you, I, I would run around making sure my husband's, you know, kit was ironed and ready for the next week. <clears throat> I would make sure my son was sorted out and happy. Then I would cook food. Then I would do the dog. Then I would do the cat, you know, or whatever. It doesn't matter what order they came in. The point is I would just do all of that stuff. And finally you throw yourself on the sofa with a cup of tea and you're like, God, I'm exhausted. But what have you actually done for you today? And it isn't about suddenly becoming selfish. You know, I remember a lady asking me this question, like, how do I start looking after myself when my day is rammed? And she had two, two special needs children that were full on. And I said, I personally would set my alarm five minutes earlier to just have that alarm time, that, that time that's just for me, where you can just be with you and look after you, like go and make yourself a cup of tea, get back into bed and sit and have some positive, like, like how do you want today to go? What is it you're going to need for yourself? And can you start to diarize things that will make you feel good? But the biggest thing on turning your life around is really asking, really asking yourself, 
how does this work for me? If I keep banging my head against a wall, what is this showing me? Like, why do I believe I don't deserve it? Because you may think you don't believe that, but if it's in your life on some level, you do, because you wouldn't have it there if it wasn't a hard line. I use this really crude example. So forgive me, audience. But if you had somebody that you really, really liked, you'd never had them to your house before. And the first time you invite them over, they take a dump on your carpet. You'd be like, dude, what have you just done? And they're like, yeah, I don't like using loose. Sorry. Did you not know that about me? No, I did not. Pick it up. No, no, no. I don't touch it. I just, I like to just go. (laughs) Right. Are you going to have that person back to your house? Now, you know, they've got like a weird carpet habit, (laughs) right? No. Very unlikely. (laughs) Very, very unlikely. And if you did, you're kind of going to have to live with the fact that you let them do that, right? So like, think about what you allow into your life. Where's your hard line? What are you taking on? And how's it serving you? Because so many of the things that we do, are there to, to that are, are in our life and designed to show us that ultimately we're not really worthy. So many of the things that we have in our space, I can remember on a training program, I kept forgetting one little detail that I was always supposed to do. And it was a tiny five minute little a routine that I was supposed to do. And one of my mentors said to me, okay, so why did you forget it this time? So I gave my reasons, reasons, remember, reasons are justification. And she went, yeah, not buying any of that. She said, it's just another way for you to remind yourself that you're actually a bit of a tosser, isn't it? And it hit me. Wow. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, she's right. It's another way for me to take myself down a little bit and just not be all that. And then some, because we also, we, we, we pull back from being brilliant. We pull Why back. Though? Why do we? Because this is a really common thing. People pull, pull back. Why? Well, I'm going to look at a piece of writing that I have on my wall right here because it's beautiful piece from Marianne Williamson that I'm sure you'll know. Our worst fear is not that we are inadequate because uh, we know our inadequacies, right? Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Well, actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of the universe. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And I love that because- Mm, I love that, I love that. We know our- You can't read that enough. You're right. But Mm. the big thing, the big thing I would tell people to do is get help. Mm. Athletes have been onto this for years. They don't expect to be their best self without some external objective help. They Mm. wouldn't dream of high performance without, or any performance without somebody calling them out on where they are. Well, you didn't actually pull it out the bag today, did you? And are you eating properly? And what are you doing? Have you trained fully? They, they hire people to push them. Mm. And we are waking up to this. It is used to be you needed support if there was something wrong with you. What a load of tosh, you know? And a lot of the people that come to me, there's absolutely bug all wrong with them. They're very successful. 
But sometimes they're like, I'm successful. I can earn a ton of money, but I don't know how to hold a love life together. You know, so there'll be some blind spot for them in their life. But occasionally I'll get people whose lives are great. They're just super interested in really pushing on and keeping it great because mm. keeping your life great takes commitment. Yeah, it does take commitment. But I'm finding more and more people are doing that, actually. More and more people really genuinely want to be in peak physical and mental health. And I think it's so important. And I love what you said there, because I think you've got to get a coach. Like, you and I both coach people, but I have a coach. In fact, multiple at, at times, I will be getting advice from different areas. And I think that's because I know I can only take my clients as far as I've gone myself, no further. And so I have to develop myself. But also for me, that's the most exciting thing about life. It's a journey. If I get to my deathbed and I haven't grown as a person, then I'll be disapp disappointed because the other stuff can kind of come and go, but the growth you experience from any situation never leaves you, right? You've grown taller effectively. And I think that other things can come and go, relationships, finances, and they can come back in and out of your life. But the growth that you have goes with you. And I think we have a responsibility actually to continue to develop ourselves. But a lot of people get lost because we have parents and teachers that help us do that when we're young. And then you kind of go out into the world and there's no one, right? Your parents have said, well, you're an adult now, you can do it yourself. You're not got to turn up to school. The most you've got maybe is a boss if you're not running your own company. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah. people just need to realize it in a way. And the greatest investment you're ever going to make is in yourself. 100%. You know, sometimes I'll get people who come to me and they're like, <laughs> do you do business coaching? And I'm like, talk me through what you mean by that. You know, and often people want strategies and sales advice and, uh, you know, marketing thoughts and stuff. But how about you just get really in alignment with you? Because you will go further than you ever believed when you realize it stops and starts with you. That's when your innate intelligence will come up. Your innate wisdom will get tapped into when you can think clearly because all that other noise got turned off. And that's when you will know what to do and operate more powerfully. And, you know, it's so many people are focused on the end result. And I love to use this analogy of if you wanted to just get to the top of a mountain, well, just get you could just get in a helicopter and they'll drop you there. But that's nowhere near as magnificent as climbing it. Mm. So whatever your destination is, it's the journey that counts. And people often get upset on the journey because they got a blister, you know, met met metaphorically, they get a blister. So it's not working or they're, they're trying to lose weight. Oh, but I fell off the wagon for the weekend. They then make that mean everything. Like I might as well stop now. What? It's part of the journey. If you're walking the Great Wall of Peru, do you not think you're going to get a few blisters? Not Peru, the Great Wall of China. I'm having a brain fart. But, you know, you walk the Great Wall of China. If you're all you're focusing on is walking from point A to point B, you're not going to enjoy the view. Mm -hmm. Same as if you're climbing a mountain. It's the... It's the getting past the sort of moving ice and the, you know, the, the sheer cliff face and the difficult bits. That's what makes you feel a gazillion dollars at the top of the mountain. Mm. That's what makes you feel like you've achieved something. Always remember it's the journey. It's the route and enjoy it and look for the fun on it. I love where I am now whilst being super grateful for where I'm going. Mm. So many people think being grateful for what you've got now means you're content and stagnant. Nope. Nope. It just puts you in the right vibration to keep on pulling what you want to keep you. on doing. And I think the other thing I feel as well is people like they confuse visualization. So they think that visualizing is about seeing the end goal. So it was a bit like when you were talking about 
my, what you said about Michael Phelps, he wasn't visualizing the medal. He was visualizing doing the work and people forget that. They visualize the end result, then they feel good and then they still can't get out of, the, get out of bed to do the work and go to the gym or go for that run or whatever it is they need to do. Mm. Whereas if you visualize yourself running in the rain, getting up while it's still dark in the morning because you're on this journey to get to where you want to go, I, I feel like you're so much more likely to achieve it. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's always about the uh, it's always about the moment now, you know. And that's what people get confused, especially if they don't like this moment now. Or they look at their bank account, you know. I had somebody say to me once, "I'm actually feeling really good despite my bank balance." And I said to her, "Dude, that bank balance was manifested time, you know, before. You already manifested that. That's not what you're manifesting today." That's before and the results showing now. What are you manifesting now? Because if you keep looking at that and saying that's reality, the only person that's losing there is you because you're manifesting the same reality again and again and again and again. Yeah, that's so true. And that's the thing is you can change that so fast. You can change your bank balance, but you can change your health quickly. You look at what Joe Dispenza does. People go into those retreats. This is like nothing short of a miracle. And they literally signal their genes in new ways. And people that are in wheelchairs will walk out walking. Yeah. Um, literally walk out. And it's it's phenomenal. And it's just because energetically they've create, connected. But I think we, um, as Marianne Williamson says, most times we don't realize how powerful we truly are. Yeah, we we we, we don't acknowledge we don't it. Pull back from it. We don't acknowledge it. And it's like I said, actually, before I know we started healing, you know, right in the center of a cell in our body is nothing. But therefore, you can decide how that cell behaves from its heart if you choose health, even if yes. it's just a mental picture. So many of us listen to noise outside of us to dictate how we feel inside. Yes. Well, isn't isn't that the truth? We were talking earlier about when I was sick with depression and in the hospital and ill, and I was told I was neutropenic, you know, and I was on drips and things, and they thought they were going to have to intubate. And, and you know, one part of me could have gone, and, it, and my mind never went there. But I suppose one one side could have gone. Oh my God, I'm so ill. What if I, what if they've given me antibiotics, but they've told me I've got viral and bacterial pneumonia. So well, what if my bloods don't improve? Will I fight the virus? Will I survive this? But I never went there because I've connected. I wanted to get home and be a mum to my kids and, and watch them grow up. And my blood work literally changed within 48 hours and I started to improve. And it is, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Because your mind does create the outer reality. Well, you know, they, there's uh, Bruce Lipton, isn't there? The Biology of Belief, he wrote that book, you know, and mm. it's, and also there's Bernie Siegel who wrote uh, Love, Medicine and Miracles. And he talks about a case in that book where obviously every, every drug is tested against a placebo. Well, a placebo is a belief. If we change the word from placebo to belief, we'd stop seeing it as kind of a nothing, a sugar pill. It's not, it's a belief. Mm. So if beliefs are 70% effective, then you you know at the end of the day if that's what you truly believe when you're taking something that's what will that's what will ultimately change it and they, he there's a story in there about somebody who was given a drug and he really believed this drug was going to change it all for him and it did it had a massive impact on him but then the trial studies because he paid because he was wealthy to be part of the trial study at the end of it they said actually we found that's not very effective and I can't remember the full details a long time ago. I read the book, but he his cancer came back. He came out of remission. He was so disappointed that he couldn't rely. So the 
the guy, I'm pretty sure it's Bernie Siegel, said he thought he was going to try something. And he said to him, he was really ill. He'd come back into hospital again. They didn't know if he was going to make it. And it was a bit touch and go. And he, he thought, I'll just try this because what have we got to lose? And he said, you know, here's version 2.0 of that drug. This is the bomb. He was out of hospital within days. That's extraordinary. Yeah. It just shows you the power of the mind. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. Before we close, I'd like to ask you, what do you, what kind of habits or behaviors are part of your routine? You've mentioned sort of meditation and gratitude, but what do you do on a daily basis that you feel really sets you up for success in keeping a clean mindset? I very much have what I want, the next thing I want happening in my life which is pretty connected to my life today. So one of the things I say, if you're saying something to yourself regularly, like I want to be a multimillionaire and you're earning, you know, 1500 pounds a month, the leap is so far that you probably really struggle to connect to that. You want to be connecting to something that feels very real to you. So if you're earning something like three grand a month, then you know, what, of 1500 as I said and say I'm going to pull in extra money each month and it's going to be two grand a month I'm going to earn whatever it is you make it an I statement we often make statements external to us it's I pulley um and you whatever you want to say you're pulling in so I I sit with that thought every day as I'm developing programs, you know, I poly am changing the way that my um, my business operates and, and soon it's going to be bringing in X amount of money or whatever it was I want to focus on. So I will repeat that to myself in my morning waking state for sure when my brain waves are still not fully conscious and I'm not fully functioning and my subconscious is still open. I then write them down every day and I don't make a big meal out of this. Um, Bob Proctor always says you should write 100 lines and stuff like that. But actually, I found plenty of evidence that says you don't need to write anything like that. You just you can write 10 lines. But if you write them out 10 times your goal and you truly connect with it from your heart, like let it in and go, God, if this was happening, this would be amazing. You know, that's why it doesn't you could write if you wrote it once and had like a mini dance in the kitchen when you were writing it, that would be enough. You've I was just, going to say, what's the what's the significance of writing it ten times? Because isn't it the feeling? It's all in the feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to write, write it, it once, but you're building momentum. Okay. Because remember, a thought that is repeated is a thought pattern, and we got those when we were doing negative stuff. So create a thought, and then a thought pattern in the right direction. This is creating a pattern of thinking, and thought patterns that get confirmed become beliefs. So if you want to create something about yourself that you want to grow into, then you need to create a momentous thought pattern, not just a one-off thought. And, and that will grow. So I'm growing that. And when I hit that, I then up and change. You know, I, I gear up my affirmation. And so I do that without fail every day. Every day I've got what I'm working on right now. And I say, I Polly, and, and then in the middle of the day, I'll write it out and I'll put music on to rouse me a little bit while I'm doing it. And then at the end of the day, it's the last thing I think about. And I'm utterly dedicated to that. And when I get dedicated to that and living an integrous life, my life just works in a way that it never used to. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's amazing. It's powerful. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Lastly, where can people find and connect, find you and connect with you? Oh, yes, anywhere um, on uh, Instagram, as long as you put in at the Polly Bateman, obviously. Um, so there's always the the in front. There's a lovely lady called Polly Bateman who does something completely different, who got the web domain site first. So my website is thepollybateman.com and on all social media, it's at the Polly Bateman. 
And then there I am, just reach out, connect. And I'm very much community building. So anyone to join the community, it's just a community of people thinking and growing together. That's all it is. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we will link to all of that in the show notes. And thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast episode. As always, the show notes and the transcript will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. Um, I would be super grateful if you are listening to the show and you haven't already, if you could leave us a positive review over on iTunes or whichever platform that you're listening on, it really helps us to reach a wider audience and get the message out there. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful week and I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.